Hello and welcome to Raw Fork Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Marina Buxov, or just Dr. Book for short. I'm a community pharmacist and an herbalist dedicated to serving my clients in the best way that I know how. I'm bringing you this podcast to share with you like-minded pharmacists and herbalists that want to work alongside each other and share similar visions for patient care. Please enjoy the show. Hello dear listeners, today we have a very special episode just in time for Labor Day. Today I had the honor and pleasure of chatting with David Foreman, also known as the Herbal Pharmacist. He transitioned from the role of traditional retail pharmacist to herbal pharmacist, following the trend of stocking more natural options in his stores over-the-counter section. After much self-education, he eventually got trained as a naturopathic doctor. David is sought after for educational talks, lectures, and white pages of supplements. His weekly radio program has helped reach thousands of Americans about achieving better health outcomes. He also developed the four pillars of health. Stay tuned to learn what these pillars are, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Dr. David Foreman, and welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. This is a cool experience for me. I, I don't normally get to share this kind of this kind of uh, um, information, so thank you very much for doing what you're doing. Yeah, um, so this is really cool. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background as a pharmacist and how it led you to be where you are? Oh man, I have a twisted <laughs> I have a twisted path compared to most, I think. Uh, so my original background uh, graduated from the University of South Carolina College of Pharmacy in '87. Um, went into working in independent pharmacy for a couple of years. Um, had always gone to pharmacy school with the intent of owning my own drugstore. So within two years, I opened uh, a medicine shop franchise in uh, Colonial Heights, Virginia, and uh, did real well with it um, to the point where uh, we were doing about 400 prescriptions a day in an eight-hour day. Yeah, it was jamming. I had a couple extra. I had a couple of uh, farm. There were always two pharmacists on staff and two technicians um, when we were at that crazy torrid pace. But um, during that time frame, um, a couple of things happened in my life that um, made my path twist, I guess you'd say, in a in a positive way. Um, I spent two weeks on vacation with my brother-in-law, who was an ex-pro baseball player, and he's one of these guys where his body's a temple, you know, like he, mm. he was Mr. Fitness. I mean, even now I think he's 15 years. So he's probably pushing 70 and he looks like he's 45 and wow. yeah, it's kind of a, so it was a cool person to hang around with. Um, at the same time, you know, of, of learning more about like he was really into herbs and vitamins and, you know, eating right. And I got to say, I had a little envy <laughs> going on <laughs> with, with, you know, you know, he, um, he never seemed to lack energy. He looked amazing. Um, yeah. And so you combine that with, um, my pharmacy business was, you know, killing it, but, um, the, the HMOs were really starting to take a foothold, at least in the part of the country I was in. And some margins were shrinking mm -hmm. even, I think I made more money, uh, the year I did $1 million in gross sales, uh, than I did when I made two and a half million in sales. So wow. just to, just to give you the example of how much the margins really changed. And I started becoming disenchanted and he, he happened to work 
with uh, actually an MLM company that had a full line of nutritional supplements. And, you know, he told me I could make a 60% margin on these over-the-counter items. And uh, compared to selling, you know, brand-named OTCs for, a, you know, either a loss or, or uh, a break-even, uh, just, you know, t- the idea of making 60% profit on an item was appealing to me. So I kind of com- I started, you know, sort of practicing a little what he preached for my own health. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I, I, I liquidated about a third of my, I had an apothecary style, so liquidated about a third of my OTCs and put in a full line of, you know, herbs and vitamins and homeopathics and didn't know anything. So he connected me with an RN. And that was really, that was really the, the stepping off point for me because here was a fellow, you know, healthcare provider, healthcare professional, it was able to take what back then was just kind of this esoteric pixie dust concept I had on what natural medicine was and really, you know, give me some good science to look at, give me some good places to go to substantiate that this stuff wasn't just weed seeds and nuts, you know, that, um, and, you know, and then, you know, read a few books and, but that was really like, I guess my stepping off point was, my brother-in-law, you know, his influence. And then me, um, I don't like just to have things in my store at that time. And I don't, I'm a person who doesn't, I don't know if it's double negative. So I like to know, I don't like to be ignorant. Mm-hmm. So, so having these products and just, you know, pe- my people could see, my customers could see this change in my inventory and I didn't know anything. So it was kind of embarrassing. So, it, you know, <laughs> it, it, it sort of fueled me to start educating myself. And, and that was really you know, the beginning. And I don't want to make a soliloquy out of this, so I'm going to let you talk to. <laughs> no, this is great. You're kind of answering all the questions I had, like how you got into it, what was the cha- turning point? So you're, you can go ahead. So how did you get into, um, you know, learning more about the herbs and vitamins? What form did you sell them in? Was it all uh, standardized extracts? Was it tinctures? Was it loose herbs? How did you uh, manage that part? So if you think about it, let's see, uh, my son is 22. I got into it about a year and a half before he was born. So 24 years ago, um, the space of natural health, natural medicine isn't even close to what it is today. Um, There was very little standardization. Um, You know, I'd say 99% of the products that were on the market um, were just, you know, the whole herbs blended together in you know, different formats. A, a lot of, you know, the things that I had were, were based on, you know, um, first nation tribes from Canada or native Americans here, or, you know, Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, you know, mm-hmm. the things that have been used for hundreds, if not thousands of years, that's where most of it was. And, and the, I think that anything that had real science in the, in the herbal space ended up being a drug. You know, like, you know, think about Digitalis, you know, coming from Foxglove, you know, um, it, there were certain things like that that ended up being a drug. And that's where, you know, ph- pharmacognosy, you know, originated was, wow, you know, people using these plants and, you know, what made it tick. And, you know, so a lot of the a lot of the herbs back then that had that kind of efficacy ended up being drugs they figured out what made that drug or that plant work they extracted that chemical and boom we had a you know medication so it wasn't really until 
probably 15 years into my, you know, 10 years into my gig, so to speak, that, you know, we were getting some good information out of Europe on standardization. I think that's probably where it all started. But yeah, when I started, man, it was trippy. I mean, there were some really um, uh, sketchy things going on in the natural product industry. And, you know, the fight, I think the fight slash plate was um, bringing credibility to the industry. And so people loved me. Cause I was, I was like, I was like the freak pharmacist that was into this stuff. And now, you know, like it was before it was cool, you know, now it's cool to be, you know, this holistic functional medicine pharmacist, but man, I got, I was a bastard. I, I was, am I allowed to use that word on your, <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> right. I mean, I was, I was treated so poorly by, um, by us, by our colleagues in, in pharmacy when I got into this, like I was a trader I'd lost my, you know, I lost my mind. I didn't, you know, my comment back without being a jerk was, you may not believe in this now, but one day when modern medicine begins to, <laughs> begins to fail you, you're going to come back to me and ask for help. You know? Yeah. So, when it begins to crumble. <laughs> like I make, like, I'll give you an idea. Like, um, when I, I remember, um, you know, like I had a huge vitamin section, but there were all those free chemical isolates they weren't natural vitamins and the natural came natural came out and people were like oh my god they're so much better and then you know i remember like the first omega-3 products that came out of the market and oh my gosh it was like you know pandemonium and pandora's box colliding i guess you could say with just good bad and and ugly all at the same time so i i feel like i'm so glad where the space is now it was chaotic before nice so what is your preferred um either brands or line of supplements or like how has that evolved from the beginning like what's your stance now about crude versus standardized extracts for example um i have mixed feelings maybe it's good that i'm a gemini because i have two personalities <laughs> you know? so you know i always say like i had the pharmacist hat and then the naturopathic hat and um it depends in all honesty um you know, with standardization, there's been several instances in in my time where, you know, they they standardized an herb to a particular, you know, chemical entity, phytochemical entity, and then they figured out really that wasn't what made it tick. Absolutely. So there's been errors, you know, there. Um, you know, when I when I go back to like my purest self, um, which I it's truly an internal struggle to be honest with you. It really is a struggle. Um, I, I like to use the, the whole herb. I'm really into whole foods, um, you know, getting your, your nutrition that way. I don't feel like we were designed to get our anything from an isolate um, or a concentrated blah, <laughs> pick it, you know what I mean? Um, yet, having said that, you know, standardization when they get it right is where we really get the, um, the medicine part of natural to me. Um, if we're, if we really have dialed in and they've done the clinical research, you know, now, now clinical studies are, are starting to pop up everywhere on, on herbs that have been used for thousands of years. I, I just spoke at a huge, I spoke in front of like 15,000 people on Thursday in North Carolina and, and, you know, I was talking about an oil extract that came from black cumin seeds, mm-hmm. which had been, which had been used for thousands of years. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, they, they were found in King Tut's tomb. They were found in, you know, mentioned in the Quran, the Bible. So, I mean, these things go back thousands of years. And it wasn't, it wasn't until the 1960s where scientists were like, 
wow, that's really cool. Let's see if we can figure out what makes it, you know, what makes it work. And so now you see all these like black seed oil products on the market and they, you test the functionality and they're all over the freaking map. And, you know, one, one Israeli company decided to like dig deeper into finding out like there's more than one chemical compound. Everybody isolated thymoquinone, but not realizing like free fatty acids and other compounds had an effect on if fatty acids were high, the thymoquinone didn't work. And, you know, so standardization is good when we have science to back it up. Um, and that's where you get more of those medicinal effects. And so I'll use more standardized extracts when I know I'm working with someone that really needs to have that benefit. You need like, you know, if you're suffering with migraines or, I mean, pick a health challenge and you want a faster effect. I, I will go to standardized extracts that have the clinical research to show that, yeah, if you take 125 milligrams of that, this is the effect you should be getting. And this is the percentage of the time you get it. So I go back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. I'm definitely more on the side of like the whole herb and whole foods approach as well, having trained as um, an herbalist. Yeah. Um, but that's really cool that you use both um, when it's warranted. And part of the reason that you could use both is that you're trained as a naturopathic doctor, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, that was sort of an afterthought, to be honest with you. Um, I did it because um, I wanted to kind of validate not to anybody else, but to me, like that everything I had, I had self-learned was accurate. And um, I was living in a state that didn't license it. So I've never become licensed. Um, I don't really see people as clients or patients. I spend, um, the only time I really help people out is when they really have something weird, freaky going on that, you know, modern medicine seems to have failed. And then I'll go into my functional medicine role, you know, looking at the person as a whole and trying to help figure out like what the root of their issue is. I talked about migraines earlier. I mean, good Lord, there's, that's probably one of the hardest issues or, or challenges to help people with. And, you know, they are frustrated and want relief. And yet what's causing their migraine could be food sensitivities. Well, there's no herb on the planet that's going to do anything for that. You know, um, maybe herbs that help gut health because their sensitivities because of, you know, gut, but you know, like that's one of the probably most challenging asthma is another one where he, I mean, good Lord, you've got to dig so far down to, and you know, modern medicine does rule it out. Right. You know, and, um, and as a, you know, naturopath functional medicine person, that's my thing. And I, I, I try to only do that. Like I said, with people that have just really, you know, they're messed up. Modern medicines kind of failed them. Um, and then I offer my, and I don't even charge for it. I just offer my services. I don't sell anything. Um, I just feel, I feel like I have pity and mercy on those people and, you know, try to give them guidance. And I mean, at the end of the day, as pharmacists, we're healthcare providers, professionals. And um, I've been beating people up with this word lately. There's two words in healthcare. And the second part is care. You know, and so if we, if we, so many people, especially in the natural health space, I feel like are so focused on the dollar, you know, whether it's um, natural health or, or modern medicine, I feel like we're so focused on, on the dollar that we lose sight of the care in the healthcare part of it. And, you know, to, to put some of the products that I see on the market nowadays that 
are um, they have like a whiff of what the clinical study said, you know, substantiated its efficacy. Um, you know, they only have a part, they have, you know, 25% of that in there, but they use it as the name just to promote it. You know, are you really caring for somebody? No, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, you know, you have to care about everybody's health. I mean, that's the bottom line. Yeah, that's a really good point. There's definitely a lot of things I would personally change about the healthcare system today. And I think America, with the amount of money that we spend on it, I think we could do a lot better if we restructure certain things for sure. Yeah, I mean, in this this space of natural medicine, um, I, I feel like more and more people are embracing it, but there really aren't a lot of places that are truly like integrating it, you know, and um, my college of pharmacy, um, I have submitted a curriculum upon their request to teach uh, a two hour, not uh, two hour uh, elective on basically teaching pharmacy students how to do functional medicine. And it's with the background that we get with, you know, uh, biochemistry, physiology and doing things naturally is not as challenging as it may seem. I used to think when people would say, Dave, you know, I want to be, you know, I want to be an herbal pharmacist too. And I'd, I'd be like, there's no possible way I could teach you what I've learned over the last 25 years. Right. And now I step I stepped back and I'm like, actually, I can. It's actually a lot easier than I. I don't want to make it sound that way, <laughs> but it, but it's a lot easier than you would think. Like it's it is definitely learning a whole new career. But you know, having that having the background we all got, you know, from our our uh, college background really uh, makes it a lot easier to to um, get up to speed. I guess you could say. Absolutely. I found the same thing because um, ha we're not starting from zero. We already have the foundation. We're just going to learn um, another way, another path to reach a certain goal. So it's better. It's like getting more tools in your toolbox. You have the ones already from the Western side, and now you're adding from traditional medicine, you know, that has been around for ages, like you said. So on the one hand, you know, it's the age-old question, is there scientific evidence behind it? But on another hand, there's historical evidence behind it that has been used and, and it seems to work. Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny because, um, you know, you asked me a question a while ago and I think I blew on, right on past it of like, what brands do I recommend? And, and I, I really don't like to get into that, um, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I feel like um, there... I mean, because there are a lot of really good brands out there, um, and there's also still quite a few bad ones out there. Um, you know, the, the ones that I feel like are, in, and, and it's funny because like 20 years ago when I was, you know, into this for five to seven years or however long it was, and I remember, you know, being at conventions and, you know, there'd be a negative story that came out on the natural product industry. And, and you know, we'd all be like, gosh, six, because, you know, we were all trying to do it right. Yeah. And, you know, the saying was the cream will eventually rise to the top. And I swear to God, it's been the slowest rising cream on the planet, man. <laughs> I still can't even make butter with it. I mean, come on. <laughs> but um, but I, I feel like, you know, more and more, you know, companies are trying to rely on evidence based. I guess it's probably a good way to say it. Evidence based uh, products. Um you know, companies that have been around for 50 years, 
does that mean they're still doing it right? No, it doesn't. I remember when I was getting out of college and this pharmacist was like, uh, you know, I have, I forget. He was like really in my face. I was actually, I was uh, not even out of college yet. I was doing a rotation at a VA hospital and this guy had a real attitude. He dropped on me and he's like, you know, I've got 32 years experience and you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I, I and, and the sad thing is granted experience can be, be something to a lot of people. It can give you wisdom, but in all honesty, I knew more than he did. I mean, I'm not being cocky. It's just, <laughs> so, you know, sometimes that, that, you know, how many years have you been around doesn't necessarily mean you're still doing it right. Uh, my, my grandfather taught me years ago, there's a shyster in every business, you know, and there are, um, I look for companies that use the therapeutic ingredient, like use the therapeutic doses. I mean, as pharmacists, we, you know, if someone gets a, a prescription for, you know, uh, one milligram of furosemide, is that really going to do anything? <laughs> right. I mean, sorry, that's, that's a really good example though. Right. Yeah. Like, Better make uh, it like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, we, you know, we know what the therapeutic dose probably beginning on a patient of friosamide is. I mean, granted, old school drugs still used, but so it's the same thing in, in the natural health field. So when I look at comp like if you're buying from a from a generic company and all they sold was one milligram furosemide, would you would you trust their products? I wouldn't. I'd be like, are we working with infants? Is that it? I mean, then why are they in tablets? You know, that kind of stuff. And right. It's the same thing in the natural health space. I feel like, you know, we need to educate ourselves about the science and it really is there and then make sure that, and if a company's like putting a whiff or my other favorite is proprietary blend, you know, it's not really telling me what's in there to me. It's like, what are you hiding? You know, are you, and, uh, and, and don't, and don't give me this crap about synergy. If you, if you're going to claim synergy, then you got to prove it, prove me that to me, you have synergy as well. Yeah. Absolutely. I want to know which uh, ingredients make it synergistic. What makes it tick? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it's funny because, uh, you know, like 15 years ago, I was doing a lot of speaking for um, the chain uh, vitamin shop. At one point I was their like medical advisor and spokesperson. I did that for nine years. And, and I, I used to teach people to buy products that had a shotgun approach, you know, multiple ingredients that were all for the same condition, but had a different mm -hmm. mechanism of action. And I did preach synergy back then. And I realized that part of that was true, but it wasn't proven, you know, because the root of why, like I talked about headache, the, re re the root of why I have a headache could be different for anybody. So like using four to six different ingredients that all work on that, but in a different way, sounds like a great idea. The problem was a lot of people knowledge now, again, we're always learning, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure. You, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, as an herbalist, I mean, you see that I'm sure as well. Like, it, it, there's often times where you're not just going to recommend one herb and use a, a whiff of it, right? I mean. Yeah, I think it's like the art of. Uh, I mean, we're not allowed to say diagnosis, but that's pretty much what it comes down to. Like, if you could figure out what is the cause, you could figure out what would most fit and help that mechanism. But if you don't know, then yeah, you probably most likely will start off with a shotgun approach to see if something will help. And then maybe you could narrow down from there. Yeah, I mean, but I think that there's an awful lot of, anyway, I don't wanna, I, yeah. I, I feel like I'm painting a negative picture right now. And I can tell you that, you know, um, the segue from pharmacist to, you know, this, I mean, I travel around the world now educating it used to be just consumers. And now, I'm, you know, speaking at, at, you know, at conferences and 
I mean, I'm going to Singapore in a couple of weeks to speak at a convention and uh, my topic is stress and I'm teaching people how to formulate, you know, for stress. I mean, I, I'm not going to sell the product, but, you know, they're going to try to get people to stop thinking in this linear path. And there's I mean, you see it with your, what you do. There's so much good that comes out of out of this. And it's not a stretch for us as pharmacists to get there. It just takes a little bit of effort. Um and a lot of passion, I guess, because you seem based on our emails back and forth, you seem like you're very passionate about what you do. And just the fact that you're taking like a lot of your time out of your life to create these, you know, podcasts of, you know, pharmacists, it's, it's, um, it's such a cool thing to be a part of. Oh, thank you. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think pharmacists have like this natural role to fill or to expand on our already, you know, the role in the apothecary in retail. we're already selling these products so we should be educated about them and even those pharmacists that may not think it works first of all did they get educated and uh, you know to see whether or not it works second of all um the consumer is still what's driving the market so they're gonna buy it regardless of whether or not you recommend it so you you can educate yourself to that end and recommend something that at least won't hurt them you know, something from your clinical side that you can add to um, as an advisor in the yeah. shop. And it's funny because um, I, every year I get invited back to my college of pharmacy to talk to the pharmacy students. And, you know, the interesting thing is like they don't have to show up, but I always have like a room of like 125 to 150 students, you know, that want to hear, you know, how did you get from where you were to where you are now? And, you know, one of the one of the last things I say to them is you don't have to believe in this. You, don't, you can think everything I'm saying is just a bunch of crap, but the reality is, is that your patients, whether you're in a hospital setting, retail setting, I mean, pick, pick any of the possible settings that you could be in. Um, your patients are using this stuff. Right. And, and um, if you, if you blow them off and, and, you know, give them that whole negativity thing, then they're not going to share information with you. They're not going to share and and that sharing uh, is necessary so that, um, you know, there may be drug interactions. There, there may be a reason why their medicine's not working as well, or there may be a reason that their blood pressure medicine's working too well now. And maybe, no, seriously, then yeah, they need sure. to go, go back to their healthcare provider and ha- go from 20 milligrams of lisinopril down to 10, you know, or um, so to me, that's like one of the biggest things is like, you don't have to believe it. But understand that your patients are and you need to at least be open, uh, you know, open to it because they're using it. And shame on, you know, shame on you if someone gets hurt and they could get hurt because they become hypotensive and, you know, stand up out of their chair, fall and hit their head because they were hypotensive because you weren't paying attention to them saying, hey, I'm taking I'm taking Hawthorne and garlic and these things support my blood pressure. I mean, those are just those are just a simplistic example of of why we need to be open to this. Yeah, absolutely. Just because it's natural doesn't mean it's safe. So as healthcare providers, I think it just benefits everybody to get educated on all the things that people are using and is out there. And some things could actually be more cost effective than what we're doing now, which ties back to our earlier remark on the healthcare system. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
But anyway, so how um, you said you got into the naturopathic doctor role because you wanted to kind of self continue your self education. So was it worth it? And how did you do it? How um, did you take an online program or in person? So I I did an online pr program that's no longer around. Um, it back then it was accredited, um, but uh, for whatever reason they're no longer in business. Um, and I again I wasn't. I wasn't hung on getting a title. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, what I found is that my own self-education, um, in all honesty, I felt like it exceeded. And I have a lot of friends that went the very traditional route, you know, the, you know, going to like Bastyr and those kinds of schools. And, you know, my online thing was, you know, what I got out of it, because it's what I put in, I get out. Um, was at least as good in all honesty, you know, I, I definitely can go, uh, toe to toe on the, on the knowledge base. Um, but you know, with and, and, or with any career, you know, there's, there's pharmacists who know more about, you know, type two diabetes. There's some that more know more about cancer therapy, same thing in naturopathic medicine. Um, you know, I have colleagues that are more specialized in certain areas. So when they're, would I call myself an herbalist anymore? Heck no, man. Like I, I so appreciate what you do because your knowledge base goes far deeper than mine in that space. Um, and that's actually one of my, like one of my biggest pieces of advice for people that are watching your, your podcast or listening is um, this may seem overwhelming to, you know, go from, full gear pharmacist into some place in this natural world. And, um, you know, keep in mind, you didn't learn your pharmacy overnight. And um, I, my biggest piece of advice is for people to take an area of medicine that you have a passion about. You know, you're, you're passionate about cardiovascular disease because you have family history, or you're passionate about joint health because you have your own knee problems, or you're passionate about, like in my pharmacy, I was like the top selling pharmacy in the country for a, bl a blood glucose monitor. I, mm -hmm. I focused on diabetes before it was cool to do. And in all honesty, I focused on diabetes because diabetics spent like three times the amount in a pharmacy that, uh, that anybody else did. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, there was a greed factor back then, but, but you know, like I tell people like focus in on one area, learn it, become the become the expert on the, the natural part of that space. And then you can, you know, broaden it because what will happen is that that person with type two diabetes will get your advice and, you know, you're going to help them with, you know, changing their diet, getting a better activity program, some supplements that help with insulin resistance and maybe help the pancreas produce more insulin, blah, 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 block glucose from being absorbed into the bloodstream, those kinds of things. But they're overweight, so eventually, then you're gonna have you're gonna probably want to learn about things that you can do to help people that have type two diabetes to to lose weight, or you know they're more prone to have uh, metabolic syndrome. So and and eventually, what'll happen is you, your your uh, window of uh, expertise will go from you know here, and then I don't want to go outside the screen, but, <laughs> but yeah, it'll keep it'll keep growing, and th and that way it's not that daunting overwhelming thing of, geez, man, I got to be something to everybody. There's nothing wrong with telling people you don't know, you know, and, or I can find out and, and, you know, then there's, and I don't know about you, my dear, but in pharmacy school, we had a zero credit class 
one hour a week and it was on how to look stuff up. <laughs> yeah, we call it drug info. <laughs> Whatever it was I called. Think it was I remember. <laughs> yeah, that might have been the title of it. I can just remember, you know, like it's one of those classes like when you're a kid of like, why do I have to take algebra? You know, yeah. and it, that that class was like, really? You know, but it was probably the most valuable class I had, to be honest with you, because we can't know everything. So you have to know where to go look, look things up. And I like being a resource for people. So you can start with me. Oh, thank you. Well, that's a really good point and advice um, for people. And I think pharmacists have a hard time wrapping their minds around this advice because we, I feel like we're the jack of all trades. We know a little bit yeah. about everything and we usually don't specialize like doctors. So this is like a really good idea, what you're saying, to think about it as uh, specializing and then broadening. Well, you know, think about it. Like, so I was the last, this is how old I am. I was like the last class to not have the PharmD requirement, mm -hmm. you know? So, you know, and you know, the PharmD requirement, then you are having that, you know, specialty in geriatrics or, I mean, you pick it, you know, there, yeah. I know there, there's an abundance. So it's a little easier, I think, for PharmDs to get, to wrap their head around it because, you know, your PharmD program probably had that specialty component to it. Um, and so maybe that's where you, you focus your energy, uh, you know, geriatrics is a big thing, um, you know, especially with, I'm the last year of the baby boomers. And so, you know, of course there's this big talk about my, my baby boomer population and the age and we're the, I'm probably one of the exceptions to the rule, but baby boomers were, are like generally overweight and not motivated to really do anything. And they're pretty cool with just popping their prescription. So mm -hmm. they you know, they're, they're cool with taking their, their blood sugar lowering medication so they can, can eat, you know, keep eating chocolate glazed donuts, you know, and, um, you know, the younger generation is like my daughter's a freshman in college and they're so flipping opposite of what, you know, like I hear, um, you know, from my, my, my age bracket and a little bit above, you know, they are proactive. They want to eat healthy. They want to get exercise, you know. My daughter hates sweating, but she still goes to the gym because she doesn't want to be like, you know, other people. I'll just say it that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I find that a lot. Of, and actually the pharmacy community, I feel like because we know all there is about drugs, including the not so positive aspects and the side effects. Um, like I personally, that's why I, I got into this field because oh, I really? want to avoid taking, you know, all these drugs and have like a more proactive and preventative approach so that um, to prevent myself from getting the diseases and having to take the drugs. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that is a good motivating factor. And, you know, when I, um, I spoke at two pharmacy conventions in July, um, one in Nashville and one in Vegas, and that was, they were um, both community pharmacy based. So there were no chain drugs, no hospital. It was strictly people or employees of community pharmacies. And, one of the things that I, I, you know, tried to also drive home is I feel like when we get into this whole conversation of natural medicine, you know, people think that, you know, just like with a drug, I take it for my hypertension and it's going to work by the next day, you know, mm -hmm. maybe that day, but hopefully by the, you know, the, after the first full day of it. And, you know, in, in natural health and natural medicine, my focus or one thing I try to teach pharmacists and other healthcare providers is that one of the biggest um, issues we have as pharmacists um, in the in the uh, uh, community is patient compliance. 
And that, and that's why a lot of people still have their health issues is they, they're not compliant. And, and if you look at why they're not compliant, it's because of side effects. That's the number one thing, you know, honestly, um, and or they're just tired of popping pills. And so when we get into the natural medicine space, if I could have you after 30, 60, 90 days by using whatever I suggest, have a positive effect at lowering your I use blood pressure again, then I could have a dosage reduction. I may I may go from that 20 milligrams down to 10. And because of that, now I don't have the side effects. I don't have, you know, with, you know, men or women, you know, libido reduction or I mean, you know, we all know the side effects from the drugs. So for me, like my first objective for people taking things natural is to let's try to get some let's try to get some uh, dosage reduction going here so that I have patient compliance because it won't, the lower dose won't upset their stomach or make them feel this or make them feel that. Um, you know, because the consumer's like, man, every time I take a drug, it's good for one thing and it gives me 10 other things, Absolutely. you know? And so that's goal number one, dosage reduction. Goal number two is, yeah, let's maybe we can get off our medication, but let's be realistic. Let's start with at least making you feel better while you take your medication. Yeah, that's a good point. So let's talk a little bit about you as a practitioner. You said that you don't charge for it, or how does it work? Do you, do you see people um, in the pharmacy still and just consult them over the counter, or do you, do you see people, um, you know, as a private practice? No, actually, I I don't see people at all. Um, I, we're doing this from my small office at home. I actually work out of the house. Um, uh, the only time I truly would see somebody is again if I, I run into them or they reach out to me through my website and they really just have something you know bizarre going on health wise. Um, I have some really cool stories of like a guy I met in a TV. I, so I, I, my career right now is is um, I guest appear on television uh, and radio uh, programs all over the country. Uh, I'm a guest speaker at many different types of conventions, not just here in the US, but all over the world um, on, on, on an abundance of topics going back to pharmacy. You know, I, I know all the health challenges. So if, you know, I, I, it's not hard for me to integrate and go and talk about whatever topic it is. Um, and I do a lot of writing for many different publications. I actually stopped writing my blog because I was doing so much writing for everybody else. And then I also consult for uh, some of the raw material companies that have patented trademarked ingredients um, and help them educate B2B um, or even B2C so people understand. But for me to actually see people as a quote patient client, um, I maybe do that or help people maybe five to 10 people a year. And I don't charge because it, um, I don't know. I don't know why I don't charge. I did. There was a period in time where um, you know, I was charging hundreds of dollars for an initial consult because the initial consult took a couple hours. It wasn't like going, it wasn't like going to the doctor's office, man. We, it was a full evaluation. I had a 12 page survey you had to fill out, you know, with yes, no questions. We were looking at, um, it, you know, looking at you on a functional medicine basis. And, um, for now, just because I have, um, I just have, uh, you know, I have a real open heart for people that, that are really suffering, I mean, I would have been hard for everybody, but I really have that weakness for people that are really suffering and frustrated, you know, and need that added help. And that's why I just do it for free. It's um, it's also kind of part, I don't want to get into the spirituality part, but for me, it's part of my my religious beliefs as well. Giving is a big thing for me. And giving doesn't necessarily have to mean money. Um, and so for me, my spiritual walk um, is 
uh, really important. I, I, I actually teach and created a philosophy called Four Pillars of Health and their, their diet, exercise, spirituality, and supplementation. I feel like, you know, you need all four in balance to really be healthy. So, um, but yeah, I, I, going back to your thing, I just, uh, it's a random thing. I, 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 most of the consultations I'll do over the phone or via email or, um, you know, I'll run into people that I can do a quick thing with and have them look at, you know, look into some certain things. But, um, I, I gave up, I got burned out on it because I got tired of people coming to me for help and not doing what I had suggested and then complaining that it didn't work. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you see that all the time, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. hard to have like a, the golden middle where like you give them just enough motivation and like advice for them to follow through with it and not get overwhelmed or but not too little that they think like, oh, that's so simple. It won't work. So they don't do it. No, it, it is. It, you're right. It's a delicate balance. And I, I it's funny because I just got so frustrated and I even reached out to people. I mean, I really got upset. Like I would get mad. And um, luckily, I'm past that now. I don't get I don't get mad and get upset. But I reached out to other people that did consultations. I'm like, how do you not get ticked off? Like, I'd be so PO'd. And, <laughs> you know, and they're like, just, you know, like, just don't worry about it. Like, it's their it's their life. It's not yours. So, you know, you, you can't. I found myself wanting it more than they did. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, yeah, know, I, I know it works. Like, I know this stuff works. And, you know, and but I always, the other thing is like their people are comfortable in their misery. Absolutely. Yeah. They need to, again, it's compliance related as well yeah. and, and also motivation. So it's like, and I guess faith in that, in, in you as a practitioner or in themselves, because some people are afraid that they will fail. So they'd rather fail preemptively, you know, because they're like, I'll fail anyway. So I might as well just not spend money and time on it. Yeah, no, it's very okay. true. Yeah, Sorry. no, it's okay. So yeah, you mentioned uh, what you do now. So how did you get into all you know all that you do now? Like, how did you first start getting invited to be a speaker? How did that all unfold? So it goes back to when I owned my pharmacy and uh, when I felt you know I did I read several books and I, I originally started out just herbal. That's where the herbal pharmacist trademark came from. Um, and so uh, when I became comfortable enough with, you know, my knowledge base, uh, spending time on the phone with the RN and reading, I started teaching after hours classes in my pharmacy. So I closed at six at 630 and have a class for an hour. And one of my customers uh, was uh, in charge of the adult education classes at a local community college. So she asked me if I'd come teach at the community college and teach a, just a basic class on herbs. Um, and so that was the beginning right there. Um, uh, I had a class herbs one, um, and then the people that took that wanted a more in depth. So I had, as I had to, uh, teach, I had to learn. Um, so it forced me to learn a deeper dive into, into the herbs. And so then we, they had herbs one and herbs two, um, that led to, um, a local radio station in Richmond, Virginia, reaching out to me to be a last minute guest on a, on an ask the expert talk show. And, it was such a huge hit. They made me a, a regular in their Ask the Expert cycle. Um, led me to having my own uh, weekend talk radio show. Led me to being on satellite radio five days a week, two hours a day at one point. Uh, and so everything kind of, you know, one thing led to another. I started getting asked to speak at, you know, the local home and garden club and 
Uh, the Medical College of Virginia finally had asked me to come in and talk to their pain management people. Um, so it was just like one thing led to another. And uh, at one point I hired a publicist and she got me speaking engagements at like the Oncology Nursing Society convention, um, Virginia Dental Convention, Michigan Dental Convention. And, you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, one person sat in on a talk and next thing you know, you know, that led to a talk somewhere else. And, um, you know, I think the one thing that's led to my career expanding that way is that I've never really been attached to a finished product. Um, I always tell people I'm the product, you know, and <laughs> no, I am. And education is really what I am. So um, I have this extra, you know, besides the credibility of pharmacy, which of course were the number one, like most respected profession, but I also have this thing where I, I'm not going to, I'm not selling your product. I'm, I'm here to educate. And so now I've become like this internationally recognized third party expert. Um, and that's why, you know, TV news programs have me on because they know I'm not just going to be there to pawn a product that I sell. Um, I'm there to help people. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a 20 year road that went like this and wiggled all over the place. And, um, and it's such a blessing now. I mean, the stuff I get to go and do see, it's just mind blowing. My, um, I, if you told me 20, 20 years ago that I'd have spoken inside the Greensboro Coliseum to 16,000 people and it was like a rock concert, wow. I would I would have said you've been smoking crack too long. <laughs> it was just amazing. Yeah. Humbling that anybody would want to hear me speak and to have like 16,000 people was just incredible. Wow. So now a not so modest question. So um, you said you don't make a living on the consultations. So what brings you then the most income from what you do now? Uh, mostly consulting with the raw material companies, the companies I consult with in the, so there would be companies that have um, patented, clinically substantiated ingredients that go into the finished product supplements that people buy at the health food store. Um, that's the majority of my income comes from working with them as a consultant to, um, you know, prepare, um, I, I, like from writing up their white papers um, to um, writing, you know, do, creating their PowerPoints for their sales team to use. You know, so I basically I'm taking their scientific information Granted, the pharmacy brain pays off there. <laughs> and and I, I call myself a sales engineer, which is taking their scientific information and making it digestible to the marketing and sales team and or to the customer they're calling on. And if need be to the, the end consumer customer of that of that person, of that company. Um, so the majority of it comes from that. I'm not selling a product. I'm not really representing um, but like, uh, I'll give you an example next week, I'm doing a webinar for a company that I, I actually reached out to them, uh, looking for some research on their ingredients, a French company, and they're now having me do a webinar and I, I'm transparent. They're paying me a couple thousand dollars for an hour time. Um, you know, that's not a bad gig. I mean, I did have to, I did have to redo their PowerPoint. I didn't like what they had, so I had to, you know, tweak it, but, um, you know, and that's a one-off deal. Most of the companies I try to get a, you know, regular monthly honorarium or whatever, um, you know, it pays me regularly. But like speaking at the pharmacy convention, um, I was paid by those conferences to come in and speak, travel, and then um, an honorarium. Um, I, I went to Israel to shoot a, a short documentary back in February. 
So I got paid to do that as well. But it's all on a consulting basis. It's it's and it's usually um, B meaning the raw material people. And again, that have patented trademark clinically substantiated ingredients like the French company, they have nine human clinical trials. You know, that's pretty darn good. Yeah, that's pretty darn good. I mean, no, they're not with two thousand people each, like a drug, but they but they do had they did have um crossover, you know, they did and some of them are double blind. So um, you know, what I'm doing now isn't too far off from pharmacy. Just uh, I'm still educating like you do when you know when you're practicing pharmacy. Mm-hmm. It's just, I think, challenging to um, wrap our heads around to like the people with the non-conventional roles, how to get a steady uh, paycheck if you're not, if you quit the retail aspect, how do you make sure that your consultancy will have a steady, um, you know, output and input every month or how, how you said it, like that you try to get like a monthly thing going and then yeah. you have the side gigs. Well, you know, in, in all honesty, and I've, I've mentored a lot of people in, I've been an entrepreneur since I was, you know, in my 20s. And so, um, you know, for me, I always tell people to follow their passion. And you're, when, you, when you do your passion, then usually the money will come. And I think the difference is when you truly have to be the entrepreneur, and which means that you have to learn to ask. Um, you know, I could continue to do... And you also have to know when to say no. Like I, people reach out to me all the time and want me to do consultations, and I just say no. I'm like, here's a few little snippets for you, but I'm not, I'm not doing that right now. And then so like, you know, I'm giving up hundreds of dollars to do that, but it's not my passion, you know. Um, and so from, you know, you're going from, you provide a service, you fill the prescription, whatever it is, and you get paid. In this case, you have to like figure out what your value is. And you have to ask people to pay you for it because you spend a lot of time. That's money. You spend a lot of money probably to get educated. That's more money. There's a value to that. Just like going to pharmacy school. I mean, why do pharmacists make six figures coming out of college? Because it's not easy. It's worth something, you know, and that's probably the biggest thing is to learn to have that. Be able to ask and tell people what you're worth, you know, I mean, um, and, and that's where the money comes from. You know, like I've learned, I just sent a offer, a proposal off to someone today and they're like, what do you charge per day? And I'm like, 1250 bucks a day. Well, that's my norm right there. Every now and then I can get more, but, um, like with this one hour, this one hour, one hour, uh, webinar, you know, two grand for, you know, I probably spent four hours total. That's not a bad gig, 500 bucks an hour. Right. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> so but you have to know what your value is and then you have to stick to it and be able to say no too, but be able to say yes. <laughs> oh, that's a really good point. So what are your favorite um, natural medicine resources? Because we talked a little bit about drug info before. Um, I have one that's really where I go to when I want to really find out uh, the clinical and it's a natural database. If you go to naturaldatabase.com, they have multiple portals there. Um, I did the the healthcare professional one. You pay for it, um, so you get a login and all that stuff. And um, you know, so you wanted to look up uh, any nutritional ingredient, um, they'll have a monograph on it. And the monograph is heavily, heavily documented with the clinical that goes behind the statement that's made. Um, so as a pharmacist, that's the real nerdy approach. You know, like, but that's the, that appeals to my pharmacy brain. So when I'm, you know, I wrote an article for a, a huge publication for my speaking engagement in Singapore in September and it's on stress. And they came back and they're like, 
we need the references for these. And I, I'd accidentally just left them out. And so I, you know, it was really easy for me to find them, but natural database is the, the number one source I'd use for pharmacists and doctors because it appeals to our science brain. It really is. It's written like a monograph on a drug. And the cool thing is just, you can click on the reference. It'll take you down to the reference and it may have a hyperlink to the abstract. And if not, you can just cut and paste what the, you know, what the reference was and then do a Google search to, you know, to find the exact information. But that's really my number one. It's probably the only thing I use. I don't trust, I don't trust like Healthline. I don't trust um, Dr. Axe. I don't trust Dr. Mercola um, because I've, I've seen too many mistakes on those websites. Like I have to back check slash fact check those. Um, I try not to use any retail sites because the retail sites have a, there's a, re, there's a method to their madness, you know, they're there to sell products. So, you know, you, you can't just accept it because it's there and they said it is, you have to take those facts and then search, a, you know, one layer uh, deeper. But um, I really don't have any print. I use almost all internet. And, um, but that, that's usually where I'll start with is with the natural database. I'll also see what other people are saying, but then I have to fact check everything because there's so much, so much like miss. I wrote an, I wrote a continuing ed for pharmacy times and it was on omega threes. It came out last September and I, I wanted to see what other people were saying. And when I checked their references, the references weren't even accurate to the topic. They were making a claim. It was just like they put references to make it look good. And that just, that was very disenchanting. It made me actually quite upset. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah, but I love that website myself. You do? Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we just have a few minutes left. Um, so I'd like to ask you what drives and motivates you to do the work that you do and what's your mission? Uh, so my mission has been the same for a long time. It's to help as many people as I can um, achieve the, the, the health they lost or, or maintain the health that they have you know, including whatever vitality means to you. Um, I like to use all forms of, of media to do that. Um, uh, I am driven by helping people. End of story. For me, you know, my passion is really just helping people. Um, and like pharmacy, when it became not fun anymore, I stopped doing it. Even though I was still making a really nice income, it wasn't fun. I wasn't doing any good. And so I left. And I went to having no income for quite some time. Um, but, you know, for me, it, it's really just about about helping people and enjoying the time that I while I am doing it, that if it's not fun, I won't do it. End of story. Like I can't even if I'm helping people, if I, fun to me means it feels good to me, you know, and um, the minute it becomes work, um, I won't I probably won't do it anymore. I'll find something else to do. Yeah, that's a really good point. So you you like feel aligned to your calling, so that's what you go towards. Yeah, exactly. So it, it goes back to the whole thing I said earlier about follow, you know follow your passion, the money will come. Yeah. Uh, it's just there's always that fear factor involved with with that. So um, you know it's it, it's it, it's like the Indiana Jones thing where he's looking down and it looks like he's gonna fall off and what just the, the rocks the rocks matched up. You know, and, it, and it's that whole fear of taking that first step. And once you get off that first step and you learn, hey, you know, I can make a few bucks or I can still support myself and, and feel good about what I do. I mean, if you're practicing pharmacy now and you feel good about what you do, then why change? 
just expand your knowledge base for either personal or for your family self. Mm -hmm. All right. So I have a few rapid fire questions also for them. I'll keep it tight then. Go for it. Okay, tight. Number one thing listeners can do to improve their health right now. Start. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, start, do something, Um, you know, uh, improve your activity, get more spiritually grounded, start taking supplements that maybe address a family history, um, uh, you know, so, uh, and, or, uh, you know, Hey, we all know how to eat, right? Why don't we do it? So just one of those four things do, but do it, start it now. Great. What's a hobby or favorite pastime of yours? I'm a golfer. Um, I, I'm a competitive golfer. I'm starting back to play amateur golf as a senior, which is kind of humbling to say those words. Um, but I love golf. I love to travel. Um, and I love my kids. My kids are 22 and 18. I I just have a blast with them and I just got remarried and I love just hanging out with my wife, going to the beach. We live two blocks away from the beach. So, uh, I, I just, yeah, there you go. That's a quick. Nice. Thank you. All right. What's your favorite beverage? I love wine, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, I drink water most of the time. Like that's my main thing, but I, I really do love a good glass of wine to be straight up with people. I'm transparent, so but wa- I, water, green tea. That's Fermented it. resveratrol, why not? Yeah, right on, <laughs> right on, baby. <laughs> All right. So, uh, lastly, how can listeners get in touch with you or learn more about your brand and the herbal pharmacist? Uh, one stop herbalpharmacist.com, H-E-R-B-A-L, and then pharmacist like we are. Dot com. Uh, and contact us means me, myself, and I. So if you hit that, it's just going to me anyway. Um, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn connections are all there as well. Um, and I really thank you for what you're doing, my dear. You really are a blessing to our profession that you're taking time out of your life to, to do this. So obviously you've got a passion behind it. Yeah. Thank you so much for all your, you know, everything you've shared with us and all your great advice. I'm sure the listeners will appreciate it. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, obviously you're very expensive, so we're getting a freebie here, people. (laughs) Uh, no, right, whatever. Take care, this, David. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. As always, please send any questions, inquiries, requests to me. My email is marina at rawfork.com or just go on my website, rawfork.com. Leave me a note there. Thank you and have a great week ahead.